0: Hey guys, Connor from the Ticket Stub and you are listening to Lone Star Community Radio on 104.5 KCZW LP Conroe and 106.1 KZCC LP Conroe and worldwide on IRLoneStar.com.
1: Good afternoon and welcome to The Legal Connection. Uh, Tony Lynn Collins and Cheryl Ellsworth-Jahani, we are both here Every Tuesday from 12 to 1 p.m. on 106.1 and 104.5, I R Lone Star Conroe's FM, and we are here to um, help you with legal issues, questions, thoughts
0: curiosities, situations you I have? I think to serve people in the best way that we know how with the gifts that we're given. Right. You know, that's such a big thing right now is to try to help people, and this is all I know how to do. <laughs> <laughs> no
1: kidding. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, so we're here, and today our topic is depositions. We're going to talk about depositions. Tony, I think, I think people kind of think that they know what a deposition is.
0: I hear the word deposition, and uh, even as an attorney, it scares me because it's like cha-ching, I hear dollar signs going oh, up for so everybody. Expensive. Yeah, They're so expensive. If and you're the one that got hit with the subpoena for a deposition or if you're the one giving it, um, any way you look at it, it's expensive because it's, it's time that uh, you're – you're using the facility of the camera or the and the court reporter and the time and all the attorneys, the attorneys involved there. And, and the space the time like, off work like even the the radio station offers the facility right. for us to use this facility to do they do that um, here as, they do depositions so mm-hmm. so it all adds up mhm Well, I want uh, to
1: tell our listeners a little bit about depositions, just a general overview. Deposition in the law of the United States or examination for discovery in the law of Canada involves the taking of sworn out of court oral testimony of a witness that may be reduced to written transcript for later use in court
0: for discovery purposes. Right. And it's just like being before the jury, but you're talking. Up front, they always say, and when and every deposition I've been in, it's like, Ladies and gentlemen, a jury, and they it's as though the jury's there, but it's really just a court reporter and you're sitting in a room, a small room with a couple of attorneys. And I think now you can even do them via Zoom.
1: Oh, yeah, people are doing them mm-hmm. via
0: Zoom, and what you know, I think there are a lot of issues about that. It's kind but... of crazy because you're not the jury's not there, but as we were discussing earlier, that jury may see the the most awkward face you've ever made if they decide to, uh, if, if they're going to impeach you, even if. The other side, the, the other attorney uh, is not really have a reason to impeach you. They'll say they are, and then this crazy, awful picture of you is up on the screen. <laughs> so you got to be real careful about Yeah, especially when it's videotaped. Uh-huh. Um,
1: so it's for later use in court for discovery purposes. For our listeners, discovery purposes are the collection of evidence for one side or the other
0: side. It's a collection of evidence that may be well, used it's in trial. to prove your case in trial or defend your case in trial. And deposition. Um, any evidence is important. Lots and lots of people ask me to help guide them through the economic um, mire of, of going through a divorce because it's so expensive and they're trying to do it on their own. And they're like, what's discovery? And I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's going to have to another little uh, refresher course a quick you know, here's what discovery is, but basically it's getting information from the other side that's admissible in court to prove your case, right. because you may have that your your estranged husband has taken all the money that you own and transferred all your property, but if you can't get that evidence, other than your own biased testimony, uh, before the, the court, then you're going to lose, and so that's what discovery does, it gives you admissible evidence to, in a form that is, is presented by the statutes, so... That's discovery. Mm -hmm. There's four different types. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's see. They're commonly
1: used in uh, in litigation. You Mm -hmm. just said that. Uh, They're almost always conducted outside the court by lawyers themselves with no judge present to supervise the examination. Mm -hmm.
0: Depositions. uh, I will add this, though, that you can have your deposition held in one of the courtroom offices so there's a judge on hand in case you object and you actually want the judge to rule right then. <laughs> um, you can actually have the judge on standby and, and, and put it on hold because depositions can get kind of crazy when they're asking you questions they shouldn't be asking. Yeah, no
1: kidding. And you can also call the judge if you're at a remote location okay, that's true. and get uh-huh. a ruling right then, too. Right, right, right. Uh-huh. But, you know, okay, so we're talking about like some different uh, things that our listeners may not understand, mm-hmm. but... So basically, a deposition, it's like examining a witness in trial. Mm -hmm. And everybody's seen that on TV. Mm -hmm. Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? Mm -hmm. Yes, Judge Wedgie, as Curly says, I do. (laughs) And uh, so then they began, the uh, lawyer that is the uh, deposing party begins to question in a deposition who we call the deponent, mm-hmm. but at trial we call that person the witness. Right. But you're
0: still a witness in the deposition. That's right. And you're still under oath. And it's the same questions you will will very well be asked in trial. And if you deviate because you're trying to impress somebody or you're making it up or you feel like you have to answer in your deposition, then you're going to be proven to be a liar if in trial you say something different, even if it's a little different. That's why many times, if not all the time, you want a lawyer present to defend you in a deposition if you're being asked questions because the lawyer will know if it's relevant, not relevant, you know, or, you know, be able to stop you from being harassed or, or what have you. But it's just like being in trial, just like you said. But there's not all of the pomp and circumstance of the judge being on the bench and people being watching and, you know, all the tables and all the suits and all that. But it's the same importance. A deposition is critically important. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, well, this is just a
1: a, rant, a question that relates to this. Um, so, in a deposition, somebody says something, and it and then uh, it's recorded. It's a, and that's the purpose of the deposition is to record the testimony, Treatful statement. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's recorded, and you have it um, transcribed by a court reporter. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then the same person is sitting up on the witness stand in trial, mm-hmm. and they say something different. So what would the attorney that realizes that that's different or basically that witness has just impeached themselves, mm-hmm. shown themselves
0: to be well, unreliable? Well, they haven't impeached themselves. They've lied, but it's up to the attorney to impeach them. They're okay. showing, Which all impeaching is a big legal word for, I'm going to prove you're a liar. Because just like in life, the truth will set you free. The most important thing you have is to tell the truth. When, and you're on the stand. That's all you're offering other, unless you have evidence to support it. And it may be your statement is the only evidence. So if you're proven to be a liar, then what can, you, if you rely on something small, even if it's a mistake, they're going to say, oh, well, she'll lie on something big. And usually it's just a twist of words or something that's just ridiculous. But, um, but depends on what side of the, of the, deposition you're on. If I'm the one doing the deposition and I'm the one proving their liar, I'm going to say it's huge. But if I if it's me or if my deponent or, or, or my client, then I'm going to be like, the objection, that's not impeachable because it's not the same question. And so the way that works is, um, and I'm going to reflect back on one that I had a lot of impeachable statements in a bankruptcy case. Um, depositions and bankruptcy are called 2004 exams. They're not. Um, Called depositions, which is kind of weird because that's all they are. Yeah, and that's because in the bankruptcy code, they're under the federal rule two thousand four. Okay, and those are the rules that you use. Kind of like in federal rule thirty is your rule for for um, depositions in federal court, mm-hmm. and then in your depositions are going to be rule, under rule. I think it's um, maybe two sixty something. Mm-hmm. I, I in forgot. State that. court. What well, you know? It's been a long time since I've actually noticed it, but it's uh, the the Texas rules of the civil procedure give you the rules on. What you need to do to get somebody in for a deposition and the rules that you follow and that kind of thing. Um, but in this 2004 exam, it was done not with a court reporter uh, and not with uh, – uh, but it was sworn testimony. And because the the bankruptcy trustee was the one that, that had called the deposition and let the par- other parties know, I didn't even have to be there. Um, but But I was – opposing side and so i wanted to be there i was going to take full advantage of this the the trustee is deposing uh the the bankrupt to see if they're hidden assets why wouldn't i want to be there because we had a we had a a stake in getting some of the assets back to pay off the debt that wasn't paid and um so uh he actually just had a phone he used my cell phone myself and was recorded and recording. it and he put it on the table and he had his uh, uh, the, the trustee had a secretary, who was also a notary, swear the uh, the bankrupt, and that's what the person's called that declares bankruptcy in. Um, and it, you, there's certain rules and how long it, it would last and certain uh, there's are certain areas that you have to stay within that purview of questions, but it's pretty broad. And so um, they that's, li- that's literally all they did was they recorded, they swore the guy in. He seemed so at ease because all it was was a little cell phone in the middle of the table, and then me, you know, looking for his debt, bad guy, and then a real uh, kind of a new um, trustee assistant. It wasn't even the trustee, just a young guy right out of law school asking a, 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 like 12 questions. And then I got to ask all the questions I wanted because that's p- part of the rules in, in a, 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 a 2004 exam. And what happened was he was so relaxed and just he was being really rude. That all came out. Everything he was saying came out because you can get that little tape transcribed by a court reporter. That's right. And then it's admissible in court because That's right. you file it with the court as a business record. That's right. And um, it was pages and pages of, of basically controversial statements that were controverted on, on what was filed and what he was saying. So, now. how did you handle so that? So, what you do in federal court is. Um, and I believe this is in the same and it is actually the same in when you have a federal trial. There's certain rules of a procedure. It's a little different from the discovery rules and that's how you collect the information. The procedure is how you get it in, okay, into court. And in, in federal court you have to have Nowadays, everything's a little bit different from when I first you know, started practicing. You have to have it all in a digital form, and you have to present presented within three days of the trial. I believe that's the deadline, but don't hold me to that. But there's a certain uh, limitations period when you have to have all your exhibits labeled and put in digital form and given to the court so the judge can pull it up. Different judges do it different ways, but in this particular case, the judge, I would just tell him what the exhibit number was, and he would put it on the screen and flip to it for me. But the only way you can truly impeach somebody is if you ask the same question. So I I knew what I knew he was going to lie, but I knew where he had lies. And the question was right up there on the screen. I had it, but right? it was a little bit better. It was a little bit more than just saying, oh, he lied. I'm going to be ready. You ha- I had to actually go through a thousand pages of testimony oh, I know. and highlight it so I knew exactly where to tell the judge to go and I would ask that question. And if he answered it the same way, that's almost impossible to answer it the same way unless you really watch what you say in a deposition. If he answered it any differently, significantly differently is what I want to do so I wouldn't aggravate the judge because it was a bench trial. Um, I could say... Um, before I'd ask the judge to go there, I would read the question, and if he answered it truthfully, I'd move on. If he answered it untruthfully or differently, then I would ask the judge to pull up and ask it the same way, and I'd say, "Isn't it true that on... Isn't it true that you had a deposition on this date? And you know, or, or in this case, it was a 2004 exam. And isn't it true that these people are present? And you know, isn't it true? I didn't have to say that word first, but it kind of helped guide me and the judge, and I, I was." Um, basically giving him a roadmap of where i was going with it that on this date we took a deposition you were there and you were under oath and you understood and did not ask you this question and he didn't know where i was going with it and his attorney didn't know where i was going with it. his attorney wasn't there he should have been but mm-hmm, he wasn't mm-hmm. and um he didn't even ask for a copy so i just had like this playground of, of questions because no what i presented it but they didn't look at it but tony when you're asking if you if you say isn't it true on this
1: day, and, you know, you uh-huh. set it up, uh-huh.
0: then you put it up he on the screen. Have First, he had to have lied to the way I asked it. Already. Already. Before and, you even went to it. And then I go, my second step is to go to um, authenticate deposition and then ask the same question again. And then when he answers it differently, because he can now see his answer on I the know, screen. right. That was there. my question. He's going to try to change, but he can't because he didn't know I was going to ask him because my question... Was it before him? I'm not I didn't give him a list and say, Here's all my questions right. and I'm gonna ask you these again. Right. He had no idea I was gonna do that. Right. And his attorney which I don't know, I guess bankruptcy attorneys don't go to adversary trials that often or something, but he didn't know. Was, he didn't know that he lied about it. And um, it you know, it basically won our case for us. So, um, that's great. So, that's how you do it, though, is you have to ask the question basically in the same format. It has to be the same question, and their answer has to be different. Otherwise, you're wasting the court's time and you lose a lot of respect with the judge. Mm-hmm. If you try to present in trial this, this inconsistency or this lie, you can call it an inconsistency, it's a lie, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And then this judge was even like, Are you calling him a liar? And you don't want to say that because it's so impolite. Mm-hmm. And you want to, because there's so much pomp and circumstance, mm-hmm. particularly in federal court. But if they're a liar, a liar, you call a spade a spade. I mean, if they lied, they lied, mm-hmm. and it's like, are you calling him a liar? And you're almost like, the judge is going to be mad at me. It's like, yes, I'm calling him a liar. You know, if that's a, if it's true, if you're proven it, so that's good. You know, but that's how you impeach. And they, normally, you would hope that an attorney would prepare their client um, in, in the deposition to not say something that will be incriminating. Which is why you have very few criminal depositions because you have a Fifth Amendment right to non incriminate yourself. Right. But you can get a criminal deposition. Uh, for a an important witness, but you get a, but they're very seldom granted. You have to ask the court first and that kind of thing. But um, that's how depositions work. And um, okay, well, in almost all cases pending in the United States
1: federal courts, depositions are carried out under Rule 30. You already mm-hmm. said mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. of the Federal Rules of Civil Procedure. About 35 states use versions of the Federal Rules of Civil Procedure. Right. Mm-hmm in their state courts, and that's right. very so common. so
0: they've made the, the state statutes correspond with, with the, federal the federal rules, statutes. so they're not that different. In Texas, it is a little bit different, though. Is it? Yeah, and um, in Texas, and I think I had this right. I brought it up because I thought, wow, that's a really good thing for attorneys to know, too. And if you are it on your own, just kind of know, because, you know, federal court and state court are the same. You're basically going after the same thing. You're trying to get justice, and there's a trial, and there's going to be, you know, one side arguing that the other side has— have done something wrong, whether it be criminal or civil. And um, the only way you get into criminal- federal court is if you have a federal question or it's uh, you have diverse parties. Federal jurisdiction or, or, or for the some reason, reason. There's different reasons that you can get into federal court, which I actually prefer m- much of the time because you don't have the local bias when you get to a federal court, and you don't have a an elected judge. So it's more likely that you'll get a, a more fair uh, adjudication because there's not the, the, the bias. Like mm-hmm. I think we were just talking mm-hmm. about this last week where you can get into the United States Supreme court directly from, um, from a state issue. If, if it has to do with, um, your, your, uh, you owe beef with the city or the county or local government, because they found in a case last year, and I can't remember the life of me what the name of it was, but it was in Ohio, but it was a Supreme court case. And so it's the law of the land. Now it overrules, you know, state cases. Um, or should have president if it has the same. Uh, uh, if you can, if it's on point. Um. That you can take a land case that's against the where your beef is with the city, if it's the, the city or the county or the state has has somehow uh, wronged you. You can take it directly to the U.S. Supreme Court. You don't have to go through the state court or the federal court. And the reason behind it was because there's a bias on the local level. Mm-hmm. You have local commissioners, local mm-hmm. officials, local mayors. There's there's small representatives that they all know each other, and you're not going to get a fair shake if you're not in the the, the popular group, so to yeah, speak. Right. And so they can go, and it's it's not a much-used um, rule, because really they just bound for it, but uh, you can do that for that very reason. And so wow. that's why federal court may be where you want to consider not to be afraid of it, taking your case, um, because uh, and you may not have a choice. It may be that you have a federal jurisdiction with guns or whatever where you have to go there. But um, there's a lot of cases they have dual jurisdiction Um Because the amount of controversy, diversity of the parties and that kind of thing. But that's what you have to look at. There's not a lot of bias. Federal court's kind of scary. But it's the same ball of wax. You're still trying to get evidence before a judge or a jury to support why you've been wronged. Depositions help you do that. And I will throw in there, just for good measure, and because our listeners need to hear that, I have lectured – so to speak. I haven't really lectured, but trying to help a lot of my friends that are that are pro se and trying to go forward on their own. Oh,
1: you've lectured. I know. I can personally witness. <laughs> yes. Attest to
0: that. You can ask as many questions as you want. If you can ask for as much production discovery, request for production as you want, there's no limit. But if At- you do, then you've got to send out a different kind of note. Well, you've got to send notice well, to all the parties. You've got four different types of discovery. And I didn't, this isn't really what I'm sure about, but I'll just hit on this really quickly. If you need to get evidence, you can request production it's very very important you need Mm -hmm. to ask for bank records a lot of times you have to ask for uh phone records you want to ask for you know they need to produce a will or whatever it may be but you can ask for something that's tangible and you're asking for it in court those are requests for production there's really no limit on what you can ask for right it may not be relevant to your case and that's an objection they can raise but you can ask for 200 things if you ask it i mean i don't know why you'd want to do that but but If you had that kind of a case, you can ask for a multitude of things, right? Um, When you have... a different type of Insurance contracts, yeah, things like right. that would and be produced. another request, and that kind of goes to requests for disclosures. Requests for disclosures are almost always required. They're in the local rules. And those are where you do disclose if there is an insurance contract. You do disclose who your your at that time, who your witness is going to be. There's a lot of things you have to put in your request for disclosures. That's a second type of discovery request that's usually always required by the local rules. You can't get around that one. You have to exchange that kind of information. Um, requests for admissions are different, another Type of discovery, and they're usually yes or no questions, but mm-hmm. they're very, very important. They're not the kind that you cannot be late on. If they, if, you, if somebody asks you for admissions, and you're one day late in answering them, or you don't answer it, it's deemed admitted. Mm-hmm. And so they can ask you something like, "Did you kill, you mm-hmm. know, President Garfield back in 1920?" And if you don't answer it, it's deemed admitted. Mm-hmm. So you got to be really, really mm-hmm. careful about answering those very timely. Mm-hmm. And they trick you too because it's not a yes or no question, and so you have to object. I can't answer this because there's more to it than that. But you've got to at least get an objection in or it's deemed admitted. The fourth one is what we're talking about today. The fourth one is interrogatories, and I'm going to say slash depositions. Interrogatories to me are like depositions because um, they're asking somebody a question under oath that will be admissible in court. But it's a question where you only have 25 questions you can ask in discovery right. are the subparts. And if you have an accelerated case, you only get 15. Mm-hmm. So you're like, I can't ask questions to somebody, the opponent, what's going on with this? I'm so limited. And only a certain number of um, depositions are even limited. You only have a certain number of hours that you can dispose about. There's a lot of rules. In the yeah. Questions. It's like seven hours, but deposition on written questions are very different. Deposition on written questions are not limited. You can ask as many questions as you want, And I, but it's because it's, it's called a deposition and not an interrogatory. It's still a sworn answer to your question. Well, so, okay, deposition
1: on written questions. Our listeners, they're, they're picturing, you know, two people sitting there with their mm-hmm. attorneys beside mm-hmm. them. Now we're doing it on Zoom. I don't know how that's. Deposition,
0: there's not, it's not a formal um, deposition in a deposition on written questions. Right. It's 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 done in a certain way. And maybe a lot of times if you're on your own and you don't have an attorney, you can ask a court reporting service to prepare the format for you so it can be served deposition on written questions can be served to third parties it's done all the time for like real estate deals where you've got to get information from um a uh, third party you need to get a mortgage company to give you something you need to get the real estate company somebody that's not a party but it's a witness and it's not answering you deposition on written questions is is a cheaper way than doing a deposition i like them better there's not all the it's 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 zoom for it's a uh, COVID friendly because you're not involved you're doing usually you're just swearing to your answers and those are admissible
1: so you get a court reporter to do the formatting and then the and then the person who's being deposed what goes before a
0: notary yeah and they But s- it's all written out in writing and it's just mm-hmm. it's served on you and you have to respond to it just like in a deposition mm-hmm. so but you have the time to think about it and look at it and make objections very different in an oral deposition where mm-hmm. I'm talking to you right now, and if you've got the little recorder going, which you can do that, you're pretty comfortable. And, and if I've, I've might... been
1: sworn in by a notary, then right. I'm and under oath. Right, and if you get
0: kind of loose after about five hours, and, I've, and this is really uncalled for, but what if somebody's drinking? They shouldn't be, but if you don't have an attorney present... The other side is not going to tell you not to unless they think it might affect what you're going to say. particularly if you're not intoxicated, mm-hmm. so um, I, I've never heard of that. Except for we did have a case where the, that was introduced during a mediation, which should never be. Yeah, you know, no alcohol. kidding. Mm-hmm. But I'm just saying that deposition and written questions can get around the interrogatory issue because interrogatories are sworn statements that are presented that can be admitted. But there's a limit. Mm-hmm. There's a limit, and um, but the deposition is much more broad, and that's what we were getting at today. Depositions, depending on which side you're on can open up all kind of things that you wouldn't even have known to ask because it's a casual conversation with your deponent who's usually not on edge if they're not the party. They're just a third party that's coming in and has nothing to hide. That's how they feel unless they've been prepped by their attorney properly. So mm-hmm. you know, That's that's what deposition on written questions are, and I kind of threw that in there. But um, I was going to throw in there what the differences are. Um, and there was one thing that was, it, it had to do with the objections in Texas, and I – no now, doubt. these are the
1: differences between depositions on written questions and de- live depositions? No, this is
0: the difference in your objections in Texas. They're a little different than in federal court, and they're different in different states. Because Texas attorneys got a little crazy, like the Wild West, and they were making insane objections about everything. And so there was a case that came through, and I'm looking at it right—I'm looking for that actual case right now mm-hmm. um, that that said that you— because. The, uh, the Texans, uh, Texas attorneys have gone crazy, and they're objecting to everything so their their party doesn't have, the person they're representing doesn't have to answer anything. Mm-hmm. They made rules that you can only have certain objections, mm-hmm. and I'm going to paraphrase here because I can't find the case right off, but I just know it. Mm-hmm. Um, you can object to form, and you can object to... Leading, um, leading, leading. Um, Leading and, and relevancy. Those are in form. It has lots of little sub categories under but it. But is leading. it is it form leading and relevance, or is it just form and relevance? Well, form it's it's form and relevance. But uh, whether something's leading or not, it's going to fall under it. So I know there's only supposed to be two objections, but the the reality is you can object to more than that because under form comes you know everything, uh, a and, lot of different things. And right. the
1: attorney may actually ask you, "What's your objection?" If you say form, he may say, "Okay, what?" Right
0: but if you have an attorney there that's objecting the good thing is is that you can um if they're objecting the the person that's doing the deposition may lose track like like in the debate with the uh, uh, president Trump and and uh, oh, yeah vice president Biden um they were losing track of some of the questions because it was it was going off on different little road, little veins, which mm-hmm. was, you know, like a, an octopus is what I'm going to say. So the question never got answered. But um, yeah. I wish I could find that. Uh, uh, I'm just going to – I'll read this real quick because I think it goes along that that sort of vein. Um once the litigation team knows the law the team can construct a theory of the case and work to object to evidence the case theory serves as the backbone for each deposition outline and that was kind of what we were talking about earlier this morning is you really need to have at least your base like 12 questions that you're trying to you need to get out of this deposition do not waste your money they're very expensive um, the person that calls it's got to pay is a court reporter the person that's being deposed can get a copy of it um, but if you're calling a deposition, you're paying for that videographer, mm-hmm. that core reporter and the transcript. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you may, like I did a, a deposition recently with one of my clients where I'm like, okay, I know you don't have much money. I'm really carrying this for you. You know, wh- whenever you can pay me, I, I covered it for her. Mm-hmm. What a mistake mm-hmm. because I never got paid. Yeah. And I was out a full uh, over $3,000 just to pay um, it wasn't even the videographer; it was just for the transcript because you got to pay the person that's doing the stenography for you. Yeah,
1: or you lose your professional
0: reputation, right? And so you've got to hold up. But you were telling me that you had a court reporter, and telling me about that, you were like, "Here's the way you get around that." You had a court reporter. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Dick and I, were, get Dick
1: that? and I were just talking about that because mm-hmm. they do depositions here at the studio, mm-hmm. but. Um, You can get a videographer that is also a notary public, a Mm -hmm. notary, Mm -hmm. and uh, if they can administer the oath and swear the person in, then... You can just video video it, okay. And then afterwards, if it looks because a lot of cases don't go to trial, right? And a court reporter is very expensive. The transcription yes. is very yes. expensive. You said you just spent three yes. thousand dollars and didn't even have it videoed,
0: right? Yeah, it tra- insanity. It, it is insanity. And that's the I think if you would know after you had just the videographer, right. Whether they even lied, you may not. They may. You may have gotten nothing out of that deposition that was really had any meat in it, or maybe you only want a part of it transcribed which saves you so much money, and I really love that idea, and you brought that up to me. I don't know why I didn't think of it before, but it was a really good idea. Um, the, anyway, the questioning attorney may also raise an objection to the opposing counsel behavior, including use of excessive objections or objections for the, pers- the purpose of coaching witnesses. The, the Texas attorneys are renowned for this because they hear a question coming where they don't want it to come out because they don't they didn't even expect it to come out this soon, but it's something that's going to hurt them, and they'll object So they or they'll ask for a break, uh, can we take a break real quick, a bathroom break, so they can go quick, go coach their witness, and that happened just in a recent trial where you're annoyed because then the witness comes back with this full-blown, you know, like like Joe's little, you know, earpiece thing they showed all on the internet where he had, you know, maybe a wire or something. Where, But now, but it's like... Oh, I didn't see that. Are you kidding me? No, no. It came out, and I don't know if it's true or not, but it was all over the internet where they were showing a wire on his wrist, um, and they were showing a wire coming through here. and when um, the the uh, President Trump's team said, "Will you swear that you don't have a wire, or whatever? We can check you." They said at first, "Yes, no problem." But then they said, right before the debate, "No, we're absolutely not going to do that. You may not check, you know, ex uh, Vice President Biden for anything." And of course, why would you not let someone check unless you had a wire? And then they were showing you. If you Google it and and do Facebook, you'll see the, like a little wire and stuff. So I don't know for sure. Maybe they they put that up. I'm I'm just but I'm just saying what I saw. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um. Anyway, it says um that they can coach the witness chastising an attorney for excessive interruptions and in coaching the witness its objections was one that was in iowa supreme court of iowa uh, the question is also permitted to raise objection if the witness if the witness is answered the question is non responsive and i'll answer that all the time because i know that if they are diverting uh their answer because they don't know or they're just saying you know, uh, uh, man. Uh, you know, uh, you're under oath today. What color is it that you're wearing? Trying to see if they're colorblind, and they say, uh, "Well, the sky is blue." Well, objection, not responsive. The answer mm-hmm. is, "What are you wearing?" Taste mm-hmm. They may not want to be answering because they know they have to lie, and they're going to have to, and they're they're avoiding it. So you know, to look at that, and that's an objection.
1: And the, and the difference is the objection to form and and relevance, uh, and leading you know maybe but form and relevance is usually done by the the attorney that's defending the deponent the the person that's being deposed the attorney defending will object to form and relevance the the attorney deposing will object to um all, all the other things, whether it be... Uh, uh, no, uh, non-responsive. Yes. You didn't answer my question. Right, I asked right, right, you a right, question. Right. Oh, the
0: one that's asking is going to be non-responsive, and sometimes it would be... Um, in fact, that's probably going to be the main one that's non-responsive. Um, sometimes it would be what? Can you think of another oh, one? I can't even think, because um, when I'm asking the questions, what are they going to say? Yeah, I think you it's know, non-responsive
1: um, is your they, objection. Um, answer my question.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I think that we've gotten some clients that get... Um, like for there's profanity. They don't wanna answer it and then you object to the record for, you know, proper decorum. I don't even know how you object to that, but if uh, that's when when they start getting, because they're mad at the questions you're asking. Mm-hmm. That's when you usually ask for a break or you let them go crazy. Yeah. Because you want that. Because yeah. just like we they were look saying, bad. you get the, the, if it's a videographer, then you get to freeze frame that face. You know, like there was a t-shirt that came out with, I guess, a basketball player that was making a face in Miami Heat. Mm-hmm. And they've got it now and the guy's sneering. And now yeah. they're like, yeah, I, I don't know why. but Kind of yeah. like
1: Michelle Obama's face when Donald Trump was being sworn in. Do you remember that? No, uh, was it? Oh, oh no, it was. I it was. That
0: really terrible um it says anyway there's a list of uh, proper deposition objections um since we're on that the line of thought um it's probably the rules of a pre- procedure for the, the proper jurisdiction each for each jurisdiction uh, in every state, and in a federal court, rules. has their own rules. But it, in Texas, it's going to be the rules of civil procedure. And we know that there's two main ones. And you can't object like crazy anymore. They've got some uh, Supreme Court cases in Texas that said, no, we're going we're to take away your ability. Here's the thing about depositions that I don't like if I'm the defendant on, that, uh, you know, I don't do to worry about criminal cases. But if you're defending a case, first off, the other side will depose your friends. Uh, If you're a doctor, your doctor friends are taking away from, they're going to harass you by uh, sending out subpoenas, which if they're not a party, you have to subpoena them, uh, notices to your best friend perhaps the the lover of your the client. attorney's best friend um no 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 the the your party okay the party is being sued your party's being sued right let's mm-hmm. say it's civil you usually can't do any criminal so it's always going to be a civil case where you're trying to depose these people and um let's say it's a medical malpractice case let's say it's a family law case and you know that you're um let me just use a, a, a completely made up example um the the spouse the male spouse is a doctor and he's cheating with a bunch of nurses at the hospital. You know, you see that on ID channel and there's murders and stuff going on. And so you want to depose the mistress. Mm -hmm. Maybe you want to depose the mistress's husband Mm -hmm. because they know about it. Mm -hmm. Um, they're not parties and you can't get that information. A lot of times they don't want to get involved. They just want to be left alone because Mm -hmm. they're mad enough about the whole thing, but you need to get information from them because they have information that's going to be helpful for your case. Right. And so, um, you, you, the. If I'm that person, if I'm the the party that's looking for information, I will depose that third party, and they will object. They don't want anything to do with it. They just want to be left alone. It's money to them. They have to be taken off work. You know, they don't want to be involved. They're just third party witnesses. But if it's important enough, you've got to subpoena them and get them deposed. And you can ask them for information, like bring your telephone records. Uh bring um if you've got some kind of authority, maybe the medical records are relevant, an insurance records. You can ask them to bring stuff along and they're just they're just people. They're just they want to get involved. But um you can subpoena them and ask for it and if they don't quash the deposition they have to show up which was another thing i want to bring up if you're a third party and you get the subpoena in the mail and you're just some doctor at the hospital some nurse at the hospital you have no idea why you're being subpoenaed Mm -hmm. you're just minding your own business you can actually um if you haven't been if it's a surprise to you if you file a a notice to quash deposition and this is in texas um it's a texas uh rule of civil procedure. so i'm not sure if it what applies in federal court. But I think there's a like one in federal court. I can't say that for sure because I've never tried to quash one in federal court. It's a little bit more civil, which is weird. You wouldn't think federal court being a higher-up uh, court would be more civil, but they are. the decorum and the procedures and the way that people interact are more civil. Hmm. And um, But you can file a, a notice to quash with nothing more than uh, by the rules of civil procedure. And I think it's 215.1. I can't remember the one exactly, but whatever the rule is, you can just file if you're doing it on your own a a, um, a a notice to quash, and I'm filing this within three days of receiving notice mm-hmm. of my service, and it's automatic. It's quashed, and you can keep doing that forever. The problem you run into is that you keep quashing it within the three days. I get them all the time, and I'm always quashing for people. Um, the, they'll eventually uh, move to compel the deposition, and mm-hmm. the other side will file a motion to compel. I've tried to notice this. they won't give me a date, and they'll list all the times and then the judge is probably gonna they, you won't get fined for it. I mean, they didn't ask you, you know if they uh, they didn't ask you when you could do it and or maybe be just oh right, right, right so if if you're a third party you, there, there must if they really if an attorney really wants your deposition. Um, they'll they'll come after you for it, but it's nothing to be afraid of because it be, you don't have to show up if it's quashed within three days. There's, depositions aren't aren't noticed. You don't have to ask the court for it. Like it's not something where you have to move to get it. Only a motion goes before the judge. Depositions are noticed without court yeah. inter- intervention. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit different in in criminal court. Everything has to go through the clerk. But that I'm kind of get getting off on on. But subpoenas here. have to be filed with the court, right? Um. No. No. Um. The, if you're going to subpoena somebody to show up for a deposition, mm-hmm. you might file up to the court to show that they didn't show up. Mm-hmm. But you don't know. You can just uh, you subpoena them. I mean, mm-hmm. if you're uh, – bank records, uh, for an example. Uh, bank you have to give notice to the bank. You have to give notice to the opposing side uh, within 10 days of them being subpoenaed for the bank records. Mm-hmm. Because you're trying to get the bank records right. of, of – the ex spouse or the estranged spouse because mm-hmm. they're hiding stuff mm-hmm. or maybe this person owes you money and you're trying to get their bankruptcy because they're hiding all their money mm-hmm. and you don't know for sure if they've got an account at this particular bank, but you've got to, they're they're lying to you. So what are you mm-hmm, going to do? Mm-hmm. So you subpoena the bank, but before you can subpo- you can get those records, you have to give ten days notice to the opposing sides so the opportunity to object. Right.
1: Okay, well, what about just filing it at the same time, serving the subpoena and serving the notice? You can do that too,
0: but the bank won't give you your information until thirty days after the ten days has up. So you can say, I'm giving you notice, but I'm also subpoenaing the bank. But the bank isn't going to act on it because that's and that's in the Texas Financial Code mm-hmm. uh, until after ten days has passed. Because just I think that I, mean, I say I think if you subpoena um, medical records mm-hmm. of somebody because mm-hmm. you think these people are crazy, mm-hmm. happens in family court all the time. Um, and this is kind of off off the point of depositions, but if you subpoena medical records, you have to have a um, a release from that person or their estate before medical records because they're confidential can be released, mm-hmm. and then. Um, If, uh, and I remember in one of my own divorce, my own divorce, uh, you know, my second divorce a million years ago, um, I had gone to a counselor, so I was devastated. I didn't want a divorce. I really wanted to stay married. I don't Mm -hmm. know why in hindsight, but I Mm -hmm. did. And, um, so I was seeing a counselor because I thought, why bug my friends about this? I'm going to go see a professional. And, um, they, they, uh, my ex, my estranged husband subpoenaed my, my records for my counselor. And I didn't think anything of it because I wasn't, it wasn't anything I was hiding. It wasn't right. anything I told him. I was just, and I didn't object. And in hindsight, I should have objected because he got, he was, he was trying to use against me stuff that I had told in confidence to my counselor. Mm-hmm. And I guess you could, you could technically subpoena a priest for confession. I don't think you'd get it because that's well, a don't you have the rule.
1: confidential, the, you, the Yeah, that's clergy. a privilege.
0: Yeah, but, but if, the, if, uh, if no one objects... Oh well, right. If
1: no one objects, <laughs>
0: you've got a privilege. Yeah, but if you're not using it, right, right, then you know you've, that's the that's the whole point. If people object. Don't just let somebody railroad you and get all the information. Right. I think there might be a, a a a clergy rule that a priest shouldn't give it up, but if no one objects, it might. I think it could come out. Hmm. Uh, but why would somebody? Well, I say why would somebody's going to disclose to a priest at least if you're Catholic because. You know, you don't want to rot in hell, and you've got to, you know, uh, purge your soul for mercy. And so if you kill somebody or did something, you know, had a a mortal sin, you're going to go confide in your priest and ask for forgiveness and, you know, your act of contrition to get, you know, forgiven. Uh, But I suppose if somebody knew that you confessed and you were a really devout Catholic, they could. I've never thought about it. They could could try.
1: They could try. I know there's a privilege, but you're right. If nobody objects, then... I could give it that up. Would be, that would be that ridiculous. Anyway, that's off the beaten track of of, yeah. of,
0: of depositions. But um, so, I don't like depositions. I will do the first to say I'm not a big deposition right. opponent. I, well, I you know, have... this was my
1: next question or my mm-hmm. question to you for our listeners. So we go to all this trouble. We spend all this money. We do these depositions. Mm-hmm. Why? Why don't we just go to trial and ask them
0: questions there? Oh, I love that question. If, first of all, there is the... Um, there's a lot of questions you don't want to ask in a deposition because there's an element of surprise exactly that you have to you have to hold back because you don't you're finding out if the other side knows something that you haven't disclosed to them I mean you found something out and you're wondering why aren't they using this in their favor because they don't know because they just don't know and so you're kind of poking around uh, the element of surprise is really important um, uh, I think a lot of uh, I want to say, Attorneys that are just trying to run your bill up do depositions just to run your bill up. I do too. That's all they're doing.
1: I do too. And they're
0: not, and they may be trying to fishing around for some stuff, but they're really not more. And I think depositions get a bad rap because if you're the client and you're having to pay your own attorney for a deposition, you wonder they're just trying to run my bill up. That may not be the case. You may be out of interrogatories. They may be hiding something that they're they're not answering the questions and you can't you've moved to compel and they're still not answering the questions and you need to get it on video to show they're lying that they're like um jeffrey whatever his name was the one that committed suicide that had donner no no not (laughs) that was criminal thank you epstein Epstein. the one that just would say i'm taking my fifth yeah Mm -hmm. and in in the civil cases he wouldn't answer either and he would you know, uh, you know, stage being offended by the question and leave, mm-hmm. which that's sanctionable. Somebody asks you to that's like leaving the courtroom. You can't do that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like so anyway, I, I want to throw in there about um, depositions, too. And this is not really off the beaten track, but it's something that I wanted to to share. Um, sometimes attorney, your attorney is not prepared to ask questions mm-hmm. because you haven't given them the questions that need to ask. Maybe you haven't paid them but, you know, a $2,000 retainer, and your attorney says, you want me? and you want the deposition. You need to depose them. You need to depose them. And maybe it's a probate case, and you want to depose them before they get rid of all the stuff, you know, and they don't know that they're going to get a trial with it, and so you need to depose them quickly before they're – they're prepared to let you know that they've you know sold everything to american greed or you know auctioned off or whatever you just it's the element of surprise and if you can get them in there and depose them pretty quickly you can get some pretty good information or maybe they're just snide and and you know they have, they're pompous, and you want to get that attitude on the screen. But they're not snide and pompous when they're being polite in front of the judge. Right. They just don't expect it, okay? Mm-hmm. You put in there, it's going to be a video, and they're just not expecting it. And you get this attitude that that's really beautiful for the jury. But um, your attorney may not know what questions to ask because you've got this really highly complex set of facts for a divorce, And your your client is throwing all this stuff at you all of a sudden, and they're like, you know, already emotionally unstable because they're going through a divorce, which is not how they normally are. Right. And so you ask them what to write out the questions are important, and they never do it. Mm -hmm. It's like 95% of the time I'll say, could you organize, you know, some questions for me, and then give me offsetting documents that you have, like anything, anything that you collected, because I can't get it into evidence. I need them to admit it so give me these records. give me something that incriminates them. give me something and your client never gives you that information they're like well i just thought you were going to take care of it and it just infuriates me i'm like you've come to me as this poor you know uh, downtrodden i've been abused person they're hiding all their assets and you're saying i'm telling my client bring me paperwork so i can put it in front of them and get it admitted because you've given me nothing and the trial is in a month or less. No kidding. And then they don't give it to you. And then you're like, now I'm going to have to organize my own questions and they may not be the right questions and it's really infuriating to me to have a client that's like, oh, you're, and they always tell you, oh, you're my angel and all this stuff. And it's like, no, I'm going to be your devil if you don't help me. Because I don't know what questions to ask. And you're paying me. Um, most of them don't pay me. They're like, I'm going to pay you whenever I get it. And they never pay me. Mm-hmm. But uh, be organized. It's but a that's very, not
1: always true, though, Tony. Yay. That's not true. A lot of
0: people do pay me. A lot of people do pay me very well. So I will, <laughs> I will say that. But the ones that I'm trying to help out, the ones right. that seem do de- so right. destitute, right. the ones that are now taking you know medication because they can't they can't believe that their husband or their wife has cheated on them and they've yeah. they've been married for so long and right. i'm trying to be their their friend and their counselor mm-hmm. and, and, their uh, and their attorney and their attorney and they don't have no money but they're being starved out i'm trying mm-hmm. to help them mm-hmm. but i know that there's money to be had because it's being hidden i can't get them to help me because they're not they're they, they get crazy i mean then they start drinking and then they're getting crazier on me and it's like all right let's really in. you need to go to church mm-hmm. <laughs> just go to church you know mm-hmm. give it up to somebody else and then i think you'll have a lot more stability prayer is really important um all right so be organized consider the, the sequence of your questions and make sure you are fully prepared organizations ensures you cover the topics you intend to and also helps to make sure the record is clear for later use in preparing for trial okay. so organization is really really important
1: Okay. Well, that's true. Organization questions. I I wish we had a little bit more time to spend on that, but we're going to have to wrap this up. We thank you guys for listening. We have been talking about depositions and uh, what those look like and their purposes. We want to remind you to serve God by serving others. Thank you. Have a great week, guys. If you enjoyed today's program, please support us by sponsorship or starting your own show. Contact us today by phone or text at 936-666-1084 or email the station at lscrstudios at gmail.com.